Hey everybody and welcome to a groovy wild ride with Steve-O. We've got Polly Shore this week and he's as groovy as they come. Very likable guy, very funny guy and I really think that this episode is the perfect mix of silly and, and zany and funny and serious and revealing and uh, really compelling and entertaining. It's a good one. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And I've been on the comedy club circuit for many years now. And I've heard quite a few stories about how much the ladies love Polly Shore. True story. And I'll tell you something about my lady. She loves it when I take Blue Chew tablets. Why? Because they give me a huge raging boner. And when, when I've got that huge raging boner about 30 minutes after I've consumed my Blue Chew tablets, it's war with her vagina. I said it, okay? I take Lux to pound town with that boner. And why do I have such a huge boner? Because Blue Chew tablets have the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, except they only cost a fraction of the price. And this... Plus, they're, they're delicious, too. They make my tongue blue. I show it to Lux. She screams, and, and it's on. Um, the Blue Chew people are very generous to the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast, too, because if you go to bluechew.com and use the promo code STEVO, then they are willing to give you an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets completely for free. All you gotta do is pay five bucks for shipping. And when you're at bluechew.com, you consult with their online medical provider and take care of the prescription with no uh, awkward visit to the doctor's office. It's super fast, it's super easy. And like I said, you get an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets in the mail for free. All you got to do is pay five bucks for shipping. You're going to love having the boner that they give you. So jump on this deal and let's get into it. See the way my team is? Are you impressed, Polly? I'm just, I'm just nervous. I'm just nervous the, the, the van's going to take off. I'm going to wind up in fucking Barstow or some shit. <laughs> and my car's... <laughs> that, nah, dude. That'd no be fucking funny, dude. What? Yeah, no kidnappings, bro. Yeah. Not not you, dude. This is it. Not this is like uh uh I do a thing with Jam in the Van. Yeah. Do you know Jam in the Van? I don't know Jam in really? the Van, you know but here Eddie we go. If? No, that's not no. It. no, it's the yes. I no, know. Jam in the Van. They have a van and then bands play in there and they jam. And it's Got dope. It. Cool. It's dope. Yeah. So it's uh just it's just uh music. All right. But, here, yeah. here we go. We're okay. going to start it like this. Ladies and gentlemen, Polly Shore. Yeah, dude. Good to see you, brother. Dude, this is like this is like we, we almost X out we almost X out each other. There's a lot of dude here. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of dude, dude, man. You know what a I mean? A little bit of bro. A little, what? Little some bros. bros. A lot yeah. of dude with some pretty heavy bro sprinkled on top. Fuck. It's like Tommy Lee and Sebastian Bach. Ooh. You know what I mean? Duh, 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 That's duh. very insulting to Tommy Lee. That's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I'm biased. I, I'm, a, I'm a major crew head. I, I love Tommy Lee. I'm very. I'm gonna be protective of Tommy Lee until the end. That's good. I just took mushrooms, so I'm gonna do my whole thing <laughs> like this. Is that cool? Cool with me. Because man. I moved to Vegas, and now I can be be who I'm self, which is a druggie. 
Yeah, nice. You know what I mean? It's acceptable out here. Nice. L.A., I can't be a druggie. People are like all like, yo, you can't, you can smoke weed, but out here I could do acid. You know, I can drop oh, mushrooms. Dude, you know, it's, it's Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, and after this I'm going to Fremont Street, bro. I'm going to pop lock. I have, a, I have a circle down there. I have a little black midget with no arms and no legs. So he's down there, so I collect quarters and stuff, you know. So. Dude, I love it. No, did you, you, did you microdose? Hey, hey, you, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, dude, you're notoriously like a sober guy, right? Not, not like a guy who is an alcoholic. You just never got loaded. No, I just, I'm just fortunate. I don't have the um, I, I the ism, the, the, the thing in your vein, veins where like you have to have like you know, like yeah. I'm good with just two glasses of wine. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm good. You know, okay, I'm right. good with uh, you know, you know, joint. You know, ah, just a little okay. bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I, I just never um, had that, that, like you said, that ism. Yeah. Like, my dad had it. My dad was sober 40, 50 years. My wow. binder has it. A lot of people have it where they can't, you know, so I was just lucky I didn't have that. So, But I'm not definitely not sober. Okay, good. Yeah, right, I'm, not so, I'm not um, sober. Yeah. My, my manager said that he really wants me to ask you what... Um, do you own the comedy store now? Like, what's the story with the comedy store? Who owns it? Um, my mom. Okay. <laughs> All right. My mom owns it. Yeah. Right. Well, we we know that your mom Mitzi. Yes. And uh, the the you know, I'm I'm bad at this. Uh, I'm sorry for her passing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, my brothers run it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm. I'm. I've never been really involved as far as management there. Okay. You know, I've always been supportive of young comedians. Sure. You know whether um you know that's that's been like that's my biggest hard on is helping young comics. That's you great. know what I mean? So I don't need to name all the comics that have been opening from the last twenty thirty years, but that's my come from with the store. You know what right. I mean? Is helping you know develop comedians. Cool. And and that's what it is. Um, I never wanted to run the comedy store. You know, right. I'm an actor. I'm a comedian. Right. And I don't want to deal with you know insurance and alcohol ordering and all that sure. stuff. So my brothers are doing a great job. Good. So they're yeah they're it's in the family business, and um, so that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. I. I've always understood that you were uh, really really great at running your own business of doing stand-up as in booking your own gigs you've acted as your own agent mm -hmm. your own manager like is that is that right like yes that's yes. Uh, yeah i do I, i'm kind of like a um a case by case right. so i have different agents throw me gigs and then i do it a lot of a lot of it myself but I think over the years I've developed relationships with every club right. and every promoter and out there. So we're like 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 we're bros. Right. So like with Stroop out in Ohio, Heffron, uh, we talked we talked to Dorfman and Joel. To, yeah, Joel over it. So I just go straight just go straight to them. And sometimes they like it better that way than than working with agents because sometimes stuff gets thrown in between the cracks. With the right. agents and then, and then like yeah, whole ten percent falls between the cracks right there. Absolutely. <laughs> so I was I'm always a big believer with like you know with, with these big agencies like yo, at the end of the day, if you're bringing me money over here, which is the acting and the the commercials and the right, voiceovers right. and and all that, then you can have my PAs. 
Right. You can have my PAs, PAs being personal, personal appearances. Yeah. And if you can't, if you can't give me that, I'm not giving you this because right. it's not about the money. It's a, it's, it's about where the money's coming from. Right. Does that make sense? So and, why give someone all this work when they're not doing what you really want them to do, which is movies and TV and all that other right. shit. Um, so right. I just, you know, I hey. carved it out myself and, and, um, and you just kind of, what you do is you, you just kind of say, yo, I want the same deal as we did three years ago. And they're like, great. And it's done. And I work with, um, you know, the guys over, uh, hyenas, Randy in, okay. in, in, in Texas, which is a great room. Have you played Fort Worth? Um, I have, but I did, uh, like, I, I wasn't in a comedy club. I actually, in, in Dallas, mm. the last time I was in Dallas, I sold more tickets than I ever, ever sold in a single night. Well, that's because you're Steve-O, bro. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, dude. I had, it was like a, a little over a thousand seats, and I did two shows sold out in one night. That's great. Yeah, I was really happy yeah. with that. Um, yeah. But, but as far as booking my own stuff, you know, if I was playing, you know, big venues like really big venues outside of comedy clubs, then I would get an agent. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. Dane Cook got to a point where he was like himself renting out in arenas and putting the show together as himself, which was, uh, I got I to talk to Dane Cook about that. Yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, you get to that level and it's like, wow. Yeah. You so. know, it almost seems like at that level, like, who cares about 10%? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, so. So dude, we were to get, we worked together in, yeah. uh, in a, a movie. Mm. I guess we weren't in the same scenes, but, yeah, uh, I, know. I wanted to, I wanted to do some acting with you. That would right. be fun. Yeah. We did. And, and it was a movie that came out during the pandemic. It was mm. called guest house. Yeah. Sam Macaroni. Directed by our buddy Sam Macaroni. Hey, Sam, what's going on? Come on, guys. Yeah. He did a great job. He really did. He did a great job. He folk, It was very focused, and it was like... And it was... Uh, I forget what the what the situation was when it was initially started, this movie. Like, um, if it was, like, on an independent level, it was really with a pretty low budget, I think. Mm. And um, got... The, the day that I was working on this set... Uh, I feel like the um, like the higher ups from uh, Lionsgate mm. came to the set mm. and uh, were like maybe impressed enough that they that they bought it. I think I don't know. If I it think was it's called a negative pickup. Right. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. So it's basically when it when it's financed independently by whoever, and then from there the you know that's what I did. Well, that's what happened with Biodome. Wow. The movie I did Biodome. It was. It was uh, f uh, it was uh, um, produced independently, like Guest House, yeah. and then MGM picked it up. But yeah, that's right. what happened. And so Guest House gets gets picked up, however it got picked up, and uh, it, it seemed a little bit counterintuitive that you know, like this is kind of sort of a random cast and a, and it was this huge hit. Mm. Like there, there were these articles coming out that. Uh, that it was um, one of the most watched movies mm. in uh, the entire year of 2020 during the pandemic. Did it come out straight onto Netflix? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I know. Yeah, I know that it just kind of. Uh, my friend Jared Getz, uh, who's. Uh, he's, uh, he, worked, he worked for Lionsgate for a long time, and he was uh, 
the one that kind of you know got it out there. He's the one. He's like a sales guy, right? And he sold it to or licensed it to Netflix, and I think it's actually coming back on Netflix I, I don't this like this December, which is like you know in a mo- couple months. Yeah. But yeah, it's you know, the business is that. Our business is that you don't fucking know. You right. just you you put your heart into every project. You 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 know it starts with the script. Right. You know, and you know I really worked really hard with Sam on the script. You yeah. know, as far as softening my character, so it wasn't you know my guy wasn't a piece of shit. You know what right. I mean? And likable and lovable. Oh my god, that the, the, <coughs> that penis bomb, that penis bomb was yeah, the funniest. Yeah fucking thing I've ever seen in a movie yeah except for uh, the silence of the lambs bit and in, then in this last jackass one I think I laughed so hard at that penis bong yeah it was it it was it was yeah that was Sam's Sam's idea they, they wrote that um yeah. but yeah it just you know it just everything lined up it did you know everything lined up Sam was so great to work with and um he trusted me I trusted him right he brought in cast members. I brought in cast members. A lot of people. You know? A lot of people uh, did favors for that movie. Yeah, you and, know, and, like, and you know you got Bobby Lee in it, and you got Eric Griffin in it, and Punky Punky uh, Punky Johnson from uh, SNL. Mm-hmm. Now she's right. on SNL. You're in it. Uh, 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 Billy Zane's in it. Right. And it's just a really fun. And it's the first R-rated comedy I've ever done. Oh, All wow. my movies have not been R-rated. So, so for me, it was like, you know, doing coke on wow. camera. I'm like, I got really like, my, my, my anxiety went up because I'm like, dude. And then I thought of Scarface. And I'm like, well, that's not real coke. Right. And this, I'm playing this role. You I would know? believe and, that you've never done coke. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, um, so, so, uh, but no, but, but, but you, you know, just kind of going there as an actor and going there as the character, you know, was a little bit uh, risque for yeah, me because for sure. that was more my stand up. But, right. but this, but it worked out great. We softened the character and, and, you know, it, it worked really well. And I was really, really happy with it, you know. I bet. Yeah. And, and just how well it did. It yeah. Was, uh, it was, timing. That's what I was saying. Like, right. in the business, you, it's not just about the movie, but it's about the timing. Right. So, you know, the pandemic actually helped us. Yeah, big yeah. time. The, yeah. Uh, I mean, you've been just relentlessly performing stand-up mm. without ever stopping for how many years now? Over 30, 35 years, yeah. Yeah. And it's because I love it. For sure. Yeah, I love it. And, and because, you know, in my personal life, I, I, I mean, everyone in my life has been, uh, it's almost like, um, what's the word? Uh, decimated. Decimated. You know, my Decimated pan- is reduced by 10%. Okay, so uh, what does it mean when they're gone? Uh, deceased. Okay, deceased. Yeah, Everyone. De- <laughs> you're saying the right word, decimate. Like, you know, this guy gets decimated online, but... Steve pointed what out happened, that, like, but Desi, the, the root word of Desi means by 10. So, like, technically, I everybody that's using it is using it, it like, wrong. It's, it's, it's a word that people use for they were devastated. No, no, people are like, oh, dude, like, he gets owned, like, decimated. Like, well, yeah. But, so what happens right. if your family gets hit by a bus and everyone gets taken out or car? Decimated. They are now deceased. Okay, no, so, but, like, destroyed or fucking okay, so, wiped off the, you know. So, yeah. so <laughs> to answer your question... Um, everyone in my life has been gone. You know, I, I don't really. Yeah, everyone. I'm by myself. 
you know, my, my parents, my sister died, everyone. Man. Yeah. And so I feel, I feel that I'm by myself in this world and I'm not married and I don't have kids. I have a beautiful dog. It's pretty amazing be- that you've managed to not have kids. Yes. <laughs> and I have a beautiful dog and I have beautiful friends. So this back to the the original question that you asked me, I get a lot of authentic, authentic love from my fans. And yeah. I really truly love when they come up to me, you know, all through Vegas, wherever I'm at, oh my God, da 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 you know, I mean right. you get it too. Right. I mean some people, Bobby Lee fucking hates it. You know, like I was with him and Nick Schwartz and fucking we did a show in Edmonton. And he's like, because Bobby Lee's really famous now, and yeah. he and it's it's not easy for him. And for right. me, I open my heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel what they felt because because what I've done for some people has really affected them. And right. so I get that personal. I get that feeling of love, and and that's part of the reason why I continue to do my standup. Besides. You know, when I'm on stage, it's a it's a stress reliever. Wow. You, you know, it's a stress reliever. I'm more comfortable on stage than I am, like, you know, just in, in you know, in that. So there's a reason why I've been touring for 30, <coughs> 35 years. I love it. And I've actually, you know, Mike Binder just opened for me. He's, you know, Mike Binder? I don't. So Mike Binder directed the Comedy Store documentary. Yeah. The five-part but... documentary. And he's a great comic. He started at the store at 19 years old. He did stand-up from 19 to 30, and then he stopped. And he just started directing a lot of fucking movies. Wow. And he did. He directed Bill Burr's last two uh, Netflix specials. Paper Tiger and then Live at Red Rocks. Yeah, so he directed those. And um, and he's opening. He opened for me. Open opening for me now. And he was just like you know. He wrote. A, he's got a um, a great website called Comedy World where he talks about you know everyone and you know talk about Dan Cook and blah blah blah. But he just did a really nice piece about you know how I've just how I have just been out there and I become my father. I've literally wow. become my father. My my stand up is I feel like when I'm on stage like my on my dad because wow. my dad was a great comic like a really good comic like a lot of people don't know know do you know anything about my father I don't yeah so my dad opened for Elvis for ten years wow toured with Elvis so is if you he go, in that movie yes he is his, his name's on the billboard okay so if you see the Elvis sign it says Sammy Shore underneath it yeah so my dad's the real he's the one who started it. And so he, you know, toured with Sinatra and Sammy Davis and and Tony Bennett and Tony Orlando and Bob Hope and and he's got a book out called The Warm Up, which is you know warming up for all these you know Barbara Streisand. He did the Ed Sullivan Show, so a lot of people don't know was that my usual, father. Yeah. At that time, was it usual to have a comedian open for a musical act? It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. But what happened was, is my dad was opening for Tom Jones here in Las Vegas and Elvis Presley was in the audience. So Elvis saw my dad open for Tom Jones and after the show came backstage and said, Sammy, you're really funny. Will you want to go on tour? So then my dad went on tour with Elvis. He played the forum and, and went all over. Wow. So I'm kind of, because I'm 54 now and my dad, my dad, um, he, he, uh, you know, he, that's when he was, you know, popping, you know, and so I'm, I feel like I'm my father right now on stage, which is, you know, which is cool. It's great. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, my dad was very special. Yeah. He died at 92. 
so he lived it. He lived it. He lived a, a long life. But yeah, I miss. I'm I, and, and and I miss my family. I miss my mom and dad like tremendously because I was really close with both of my parents. You know, sometimes when people people's parents die. Um, they're like, oh, my parents died. Oh, it sucks. Like, my parents' de- death has really affected me. And it's still affected me. You know, yeah. it's hard. You know? Um, yeah. 1992, yeah. I was about 18. So you would have been in the morning, you're like 24. Early 20s. Yeah. So, yeah, so early your 20. dad got to see you on MTV. Yeah, my dad got to see all the movies and and he got to see all that stuff and uh it was weird for him. Uh-huh. It was really weird for him because you know, here he was, you know, he became Mitzi Shore's ex-husband mm-hmm. because my mom was super famous from the store and then all of a sudden, you know, that was hard for him. You know what I mean? Because he was uh, trying to make it. You know what I mean? Because everyone knows Mitzi Shore and the comics. They don't know the, the, the father. And then all of a sudden, his son makes it. And then he's like known as Polly Shore's father. But yeah. it was hard for him and really jealous. And, you know, there was that thing. But then he became really proud and he kind of got over it. And then he opened for me for 25 years. Yeah. So, yeah, he opened on tour for me for 25 years. And it was my mom's idea. My mom, and which was weird because my mom hated my dad because he was a cheater and he was this and an alcoholic and all that shit. But towards the end of their lives, you know, he, she was like, you know what? I think it would be good for him to open for you. And I was like, really? You fucking hate the guy. And How, so he opened uh, for me. Yeah, it was beautiful. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing the math and it doesn't seem to add up that mm-hmm. there were 25 years for him to open for you. Well, I'll do a little bit of math right now. It has been way too many days since I shaved. And I used to spend way too much money on my razors. But ever since I started using Harry's shaving products, it's no problem. I don't even care if I've got a bunch of dense stubble grown in because my five blade razor from Harry's will just rip right through it. And if you go to harrys.com slash stevo, check out what they're gonna give you. This starter kit, it's got the weighted ergonomic handle, the five blade razor, the travel case to protect the blades, the foaming shave gel, and the body wash. This is a $16 value, but for the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast, it's only three bucks telling you i love this company their stuff is so affordable it's so high quality there's no gimmicks it's just classy it's what you need and it's all i use i am not kidding at all i love this product i'm telling you you cannot get a smoother better shave than you can with Harry's shaving products. So one more time, go to harrys.com slash Devo for this starter kit, $16 value. All you pay is three bucks. Jump on this deal. It's epic. And let's get back to it. It started, it started, uh, well, he died in 2019. 
He died in 2019, so he was opening for me up until he was 87. Oh, sure. So, yeah, opened up for until he was 87. The last gig I did with him was, was in Portland, Oregon, okay. when he was like 87. So he started opening for me like in the late 90s, hmm. you know, just going out. So that's late 90s to, you know, to 2015 yeah. or that's, whatever. That's, it's weird <laughs> because... Um, Typically, especially if you're in a comedy club, the the feature, you know, you might have a, an MC do like five or ten minutes. Mm. You have feature, you might do 15 or 20 minutes, and then the headliner will do like 45 minutes to an hour. Feature comics get like maybe 150 bucks a show, mm. but then if the feature comic is your dad. Yeah, I paid him more. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I paid him more. Yeah, of course. How much time did you give him? I gave him, you know, twenty twenty five. Cool. But it was cool because, you know, it, it it worked because like he would come out and give me shit and start fucking with me and saying that, you know, he he stole it from me. And then I would come out after him and I'd say, now you guys know I'm so fucked up. You know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it made sense because a right. lot of people know, you know, the people that are there, they know the movies or the TV shit and they don't know like the history. So right. when you have your actual dad. And, and it was kind of cool because like I'm going like yo this is really my dad this isn't like some fucking old guy that I just like right. am pretending that's my dad yeah so yeah it was cool you know and Jeff Ross was always like you know you don't know how lucky you are you know to have your father you know he always said that to me like you know I wish I had my father you know with me yeah. you know so you know it's you know it's a it's a day by day thing for, for me you know it's kind of like uh Emotionally, with you know my fam- my family, right. yeah. And you said that your mom was super famous with the comedy store, yeah. Um, and now, like the comedy store has become mm. like more iconic than ever. Mm. I think uh, that Joe Rogan's love of the comedy store had a lot to do with that. Mm. Like he's got such a platform, and he would just say so much about the comedy store. Mm. Then the the five-part documentary that you were talking about. Plus, on Showtime, they had a, like a, a, a fictional scripted story which was totally based on the comedy store. Mm. It's like all of... And, and, and your mom got to see that. Like, um, right? She got to see, see these things. Well, she started it with my father. Yeah, oh, 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 I, oh I'm... Oh, this she got to see the yeah. stuff. Um, she got to not see Not really. No? Not, not really. No, she she kind of checked out when she started getting sick. Okay. You know what I mean? And when she was sick, the club wasn't really doing that well. It was kind of, you know, it's just one of those it's 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 everybody's home. Right. I don't know what else to say. It's, you know, it's everybody's home, so it's kind of like home base. Right. And in in the history there and then, you know, you got all the 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 people that, you know, have the history there, but you know, yes, it's it's doing well now, <clears throat> but unfortunately, unfortunately, there isn't a Mitzi Shore there. Right. You know what I mean? Someone that I mean, there's great talent bookers there, and they're all doing a fantastic job, but it's just not my mom. You know what I mean? Because right. my mom had that touch, where she would really, you know, develop you, and I do that with a lot of the comics. You know, I love helping comics. You know, I'll give them pointers and bring them on the road and say this and that and a lot of the guys that um have opened for me because they've opened for me and i've given those years and years of stage time they're so much better like jesus trejo yeah i love him yeah Mm -hmm. he he was terrible 
when he first started with me. You know, he was doing only 10 minutes and, you know, and then he worked for me with me for eight years. He opened for, and he's just like a beast now. And you can just yeah. go down the list, Bobby Lee and everyone. And who? Uh, you say Ari Manis? Did you ever work with Ari? Yeah, Ari. Yeah, Ari, of course. Ari's open for me. Uh, Ari Shafir opened for me. Steve Renazizia opened for me. Ari, uh, uh, you know, all, all. Bobby yeah. Lee opened for me for 10 years. Wow. When he wasn't, you know what I mean? So so you, it's. I think it's important rhythmic, rhythmic, rhythmically for a comedian to work the road and the store equally. Okay. Because the styles are completely different. But the store you, is a different room. It's a style. It, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a cadence. Right? right, like it, it's hard to get a laugh at the store. Like you gotta, yeah. Even like you know, it's Skankfest. You know, um, you know, I went on stage. I'm sure you did the shows. Yeah. You know, it's they're not there to see us. Right. They're there just to see the show. So as a stand-up, you kind of, you know, you go, oh, it's different. That's when they, the dynamic. Yeah, yeah, because when you're on stage here, you can be you here right. at, at the Virgin. But there, it's like, it's just like the store or Skank Fest. They're right. not there to see us. Right. They're there to see it. So rhythmically, you have to shift on stage for that particular audience. And you have to kind of maneuver. And if you're good enough, you know, and I was talking to Eric Griffin about this as well, is you'll figure it out, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's really interesting you make that point um, because doing stand-up, like, clearly when I'm on tour, it's my show. People are there to see, see you, me. Yeah. And I would be so intimidated because I came into stand-up from another area. And that's mm -hmm. always like, a, it's, it's a blessing that I come into stand-up and I already have a built-in audience but it's a curse that i'm not known for stand-up and there's like some pushback and some like it's like people don't connect me to stand-up so i would be so intimidated to go do local spots in la i would be like you know especially to work out new material it's like wait a second like new material that's not like like really ready and like i'm so insecure like in la it's not my show people aren't there to see me there's important like uh, people in the audience, like industry people, like other comedians, it's so much more pressure, yeah. and uh, and and that that went away. You know that went away. Now when I'm putting together a new show, like chunk by chunk, I work out the chunks in like ten minute sets at the store, at the Laugh Factory, at the Improv. Well, you know, that's that's what's happened. You know, I was on uh, what's his name, Wolf, the guy with the tattoos all over his face. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Ellis. Yeah, it was wasn't his nickname yeah. Wolf? Yeah, Hawk and the Wolf. Yeah, yeah, Hawk yeah. yeah. So Wolf, I was right. talking about you, actually, right. on his podcast yesterday. I was also talking about Tom Green. Because uh -huh. you, you three guys are very similar. Right. So for the audience listening is that these guys, Tom Green, you, and Wolf, I call him Wolf, yeah. uh, started late in the game, you know? And, and, you know, I said, hey, you know what, if you love it, then right. you'll be all right. It doesn't matter where you start. You know what I right. mean? Because at the end of the day, the stand-up is something that's inside of you. Right. You're like, you know what I mean? If you love it, you're not doing it just for the money. You're not doing it, you know, just for the check. And you're doing it because, you, yo, I got to talk about my chick. 
I got to talk sure. about this stuff. So for you guys, like Tom Green, same thing. You know, yeah, he I mean, started. Yeah. Off, he didn't start off as a stand-up. So he when, actually did. Tom Green uh, did start off as a stand-up when he was uh, like fifteen or something. Oh, okay. Before, well, before. I didn't. Yeah. But, but he. But, but he made but it as a sketch he, guy. He made, or, he made yeah. it. He made it as the man on the street guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and God is like Tom Green. His um, his whole. I, I've encouraged him over the years. I'm like, Tom, people love like all the stuff mm. you did on the Tom Green show on MTV, mm. all that all those like crazy gags, like the man on the street stuff mm. that you did. And he uh, he just wants to leave that in his past. Mm. I'm like you like I'm like, man, embrace it, mix it all together, like give you know, and and he really wants to to not do that stuff that he broke out with on MTV and he wants to do pure like pure stand up yeah. and and uh he 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 loves it so much Tom yeah. Green like cares so much yeah. about doing stand up comedy uh I and I'm I'm impressed by his approach to it and for me I'm just such a rabid attention whore I've got to be the center of attention mm. like I've just got to and, and, and like it's just so built into me that mm. I've got to be up there doing it well I know your name's on the on your bus in front <laughs> with this face this face yeah. is right. hard I mean, to miss over Jesus here Christ. yeah I'm, I'm I mean not... you must have fucking people even because these you guys were in a bus and and everything is Stevo so right. when you're driving down the street right people are fucking Steve right yeah. honking I mean, like it's crazy, crazy. It's how a... does that work with your relationship you're married or I, I'm engaged. You're I, wear, engaged. I wear a ring out of respect for for my fiance. Cool. And then how does it work work with because I I've had a very difficult time in that kind of uh, um, uh, romantic that, that yeah that th thing because you know I was talking to Wolf as well is like he's got his wife because all of us are very similar. I don't want to use the word narcissistic because that's not sure. a right well, word. But we're like you know all about it, well, but everyone we're, we're in, in the, the business. Biz we're in the business of us. Correct. So so how does that work with your girl going, dude? Enough of your fucking Stevo bullshit. Right. Like yo, babe, we gotta we gotta go have some sushi. Let's just right. go chill. And you're like, but because uh, because uh, uh, we're looking at our lives like yo, bitch, right. we only got so much time to to live, and we right. only have so much time to fucking create shit. Right. And every time 100%. I'm sent with you, that I'm taking out time because uh, the biggest currency in life is time. Sure. That's it. You know right. what I mean? The money and this is that because we're all going under the dirt anyways at some point. Right. So she, she takes you away because that's part of the reason why it's really hard for me to be with one, you know, blah, 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 because they want to be with you. Right. Like, so what do you do? She, my girl um, works in the entertainment industry as a set designer, a stylist, you know, uh, like wardrobe specialist. So she's kind of in, in the mix. She, like, she's very candid about uh, you know, it's 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 kind of tough. Like I've always, you know, like I'm a hot chick. You know, like she said, she had a really tasteful and and uh, you know appropriate way to say that she's been used to getting attention all of her life, and that it's very jarring to now be in an, in a relationship where all the attention comes to me. And uh, welcome she, to being a dude. <laughs> she had a really um, she had a really uh, healthy and appropriate way of expressing that. And she she's very good at kind of just like uh, okay you know she humors me a lot mm. she puts up with me a lot and um, she helps me accomplish a lot so so when you're saying that that relationships have distracted you from from what you want to accomplish I've actually got a partner who's contributing to to my uh, 
my goal is being achieved. And so do you, do you, when you're about to do bits, you know, the thing on the Tesla or this, yeah. you run it by her or? Yeah, she didn't love the Tesla thing. Yeah. She didn't love the Tesla thing because she knew that in a matter of 24 hours that I was going to be assembling a frame to hold a car. Mm. And she's like, no, like. Yeah, but that's, you're Steve-o. I mean, what did right. she, what did she, right. what did she sign up for? Did she not see all the other shit? It's yeah. not like you're going to stop. She, she just doesn't want me dead. She doesn't want me to die. Yeah, well, I mean, fuck. I mean, you're yeah. in the business of you could. <laughs> right. That's, that's yeah. true. You know she, what I mean? She, she, she got through it. She got through it. Yeah, you would never see a Jewish stunt man like him. Like, Jew, <laughs> Jews don't do, like yeah. I'm scared just to walk on this bus. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, Steve's like, Steve's like, in less than 24 hours, I'm gonna. You mean less in less than six hours? You know, we yeah. pulled that together pretty fucking quick. Well, yeah. What like the welding began like on the day. You know. Well, at three o'clock in the afternoon, we get a text from Steve saying, "Can you reach out to construction companies to get the, to get a crane built?" And we're like, "They all close at five. Oh, and wow. then there's like the red tape with insurance, and so it was like, oh, no. "Let's get a crane so we can do it ourselves." And then all of a sudden, Steve was at a Tesla place, found the guy to do it, and that like by three hours later, they were all everybody's on their way down to Sandy or to Vegas, and everybody's mm. building that. So it's like, yeah, it's really pretty cool, man. That. Uh like the more crazy stuff I do, the more crazy stuff I'm able to do. Yeah, people so want to help me. So talk to him about your voice. Okay, I made so a video your voice, about it. Yeah, well, no, I, I yeah, but um, because you remember Wolfman Jack? Um, back in the seventies, he was the DJ. The okay. DJ, remember Wolfman? He used I to talk that. like this guy. Okay. Hey, this is Wolfman Jack on yeah. WKRP. Da -da. Remember? You sound like Wolfman Jack. All right. So it's cool. So so because your voice was, you used to smoke cigarettes or? Uh, it's not that. It's not that. Um, and I've gone back and forth about being like insecure about it um, and, and proud of like it being very distinctive and, and, yeah. and, 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 and trademark. Um, in, in moments when I was feeling insecure mm. about it, like feeling that it deteriorates and it's getting worse, um, I, I found a voice doctor to go and and look, and maybe I thought maybe I have like nodules on my vocal cords, like maybe this and that, like maybe. Is it from a stunt that you did back done, in the day? Maybe I've done damage to it, like uh, with you know huffing nitrous oxide. I thought it might be part of it. Um, the uh, voice doctor put a camera up and and he said that I'm using to speak. I'm using like the muscles above my <laughs> vocal cords, which is making this, uh, you know, weird thing. And I was like, wow, doc, like you're telling me after everything I've been through, I just suck at talking. You know, I'm actually going to submit that it is a matter of opinion whether I suck at talking or not. Some people really love my voice, okay? And no matter what happens, I'm definitely pretty good at sleeping these days i mean get a load of the recovery 78 percent i happen to know for a fact that last night 17.3 percent of my time asleep was spent in rem sleep that is an optimal amount for healthy adults boom how do i know that because i wear a whoop band Okay, what is a whoop band? It is the single most sophisticated fitness tracking device known to man, period. Nothing can beat it, ever. All of the 
greatest, coolest people use it, right? Rogan, Burke Kreischer, Patty the Batty. How many people have we talked to on this podcast that are raving about their root band? And they should be raving because it gives you more insight into your health, the calories that you're burning, the exercise that you're doing, the sleep that you're getting. And it's not just sleep, it's the recovery. Man, it's actually telling you how oxygenated your blood is these days. Your, your, the temperature of your skin. I mean, they're just taking it to new levels. And by using Whoop, it motivates you to get better sleep, to take care of yourself better, to be more active. And I'll tell you, they're going to hook you up if you go to Whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use the promo code STEVO. You're gonna get 15% off at checkout when you sign up for your new membership for the brand new Whoop Band 4.0, which is completely waterproof. Now, you can put the charger on there, be charging it, and go completely underwater, and everything's fine. This technology's insane, and again, all of my favorite people are using it, and so am I. So you'd be crazy not to give it a try by going to whoop.com and using the promo code STEVO for 15% off at checkout. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. And now, let's get back to it. And that's really, it's that simple. Did you get a second opinion? Um... I got a vocal coach who uh, served as a second opinion and tried to teach me. To and he speak said correctly. the same thing. Yeah, I think so. So because I've known you for a long time, I mean, not known known you, but yeah. I've known of you for a long time, and I would see you on different things, but you never used to talk like that. Oh, okay. Did you? I mean, in well, the last five back, years, looking back at old maybe footage, twenty years ago, I'm talking back, about. I mean, you've been back, around for a while, yeah. so. Looking yeah, back so. at old footage. I think you always sound. I mean, I, I can't tell. Yes, you've always sound. You've always had that iconic voice. I mean, I remember, you know, running into you twenty years ago. And How long like, have you guys known each other like for? Nine years. We've been working together for nine years. Awesome. Yeah, but but, but I, you would you would watch him just like I would watch him. But he and he, his voice wasn't like it was a little. It yeah. was, but but it's not yeah, a cigarette thing. Nah, it's not a cigarette thing. Oh wow, because Vegas they they call it Vegas throat. Oh, I don't know if you that. ever heard of that. It's where where you live in right. Vegas too long. You start talking like this. What's going on? Because they yeah, because <laughs> yeah. the air conditioning shit like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I mean, hey, yeah, you know what? I, I worked with a vocal coach who was who was making some progress and teaching me to speak like you know uh, like a little bit more. And, ooh, ooh. He was having oh, me to, uh, and uh, I just don't fucking. I didn't. And as long as it doesn't hurt. It doesn't. I mean, it, it'll hurt. You at, drink hot uh, tea and some honey and stuff? Mm, not really worried about no, it. Oh, you drinks, know what might be good is gargling. My, my girl loves it. She says, don't fucking change it. She, she, when, cool. I was, when I was working with the vocal coach, my girl. She wasn't happy. She said, fucking, this is bullshit. You can also fucking. gargle with warm salt water. Right, okay. That's pretty good. You can also gargle these nuts if you want. Whoa, bro. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, dude. Um, now, I saw you perform at the Comedy Store 12 years ago. Mm. I think it was 2010. Mm. And it, in your set... I still have the same set. <laughs> <laughs> same <laughs> jokes. No, I'm just kidding. In, in the set, you were talking about um, your uh, 
your huge movies and the one that you did with Brendan Fraser. Mm. And you were it was very self-deprecating mm. what you were doing. You were talking about how you uh, when you made this movie would there be an Encino Man with with uh, Brendan Fraser? You made that movie. You guys were the you were the star of the movie. And that after that, you were describing how Brendan Fraser's career just from that point like went crazy. You yeah. know, and you were kind of putting yourself down as uh, you know, like he was the one who really like like went skyrocketing. And and uh, I remember th- thinking to myself, why is Polly up there like? bashing himself mm. like this describing himself as the guy whose career went downhill while Brendan Fraser's went so up and now 12 years later it would seem that uh, that that those courses have reversed mm. you know you've got the guest house the, one of the most watched movies of, of 2020 there's like a, 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 a resurgence in Pauly Shore the stand-up is still going and yeah I don't know um, I like self-deprecating humor yeah. So um, I like making fun of myself. I like playing right. the victim. You know, right, okay. I think Polly Shore's dead was a great example of that. You know, um, I don't know. I I'm very I'm very aware of my surroundings. You know, I'm right. very aware of you know the fact that I'm not starring in movies. You know, you know I I did star in a movie, but I'm not starring. In, you know what I mean? Right, right, I mean right. I'm working all the time, but it wasn't like it was. You right. know what I mean, and uh, I'm aware of that, so I like to make fun of it in a way. I mean, do you yeah. are? Yeah. Like, I mean, when you started on MTV, you were 19. I was probably about uh, my first time ever. Yeah, I was is not early 20s. Yeah. 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 So what? So what? What year would it have been when you were first on MTV? Uh, <coughs> early 90s. Yeah. So I my run on there was uh, like 90 to 97 around there. Wow. Yeah. And and that was just Well, it was it was insane. I mean, it was, you know, it was I, I say that I have a uh it's like Willy Wonka. You know right. what I mean? Like I got the golden ticket. I was in my 20s. Uh-huh. I was starring in movies. I was on MTV, HBO specials, it was comedy the, albums. MTV led to the movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was big. You know, it was big. Um and um you know, it was so big that it had to stop. You know, in a way, right. but I was also, and I've said this to people, you know, sometimes I make decisions emotionally and not with my head, you know? So what happened was, and I talk about this in my one man show, I have a one man show that's doing really well right now in Vegas all over. Okay. Yeah. We just got it in the New York comedy film festival. That's going to be, be uh, another month or so. But, um, you know, when things like when my sitcom didn't get picked up and, 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 and you know, and I was tra- I was uh, transitioning from a boy to a man, you know, or at the time I was 30, I was just like, I just wanted to get rid of everyone in my life, meaning managers and agents and all that stuff and kind of just go away. And then when I try to get representation, you know, a year or two later, everyone was like this. Right. They weren't into it. So then that's when I went to therapy and then I was able to laugh at kind of what I went through. And that's when I did Polly Shore's Dead, which to me is the best thing I've ever done. If okay. you haven't seen Polly Shore's Dead, it's fucking like, it's I very, haven't. it's very dark and it's very funny, but it appeals to people that don't like me and it appeals to people that like me, but everyone's in it. And um, it's, um, how, do, how do we see that? Where it's we- just everywhere. It's on, um, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess it's just on, if you go on Amazon or 
YouTube or wherever it's at, but everyone's in it from Dr. Dre to Sean Penn to wow. Whoopi Goldberg. To, I mean, there's like Eminem, everyone is in wow. it. But it's Britney Spears. It's just like, it's it's basically the it's premise is I fake my debts, become famous again. And, and mm-hmm. then I wind up becoming fame that people find out that I'm not dead and then they want me dead and then I wind up in jail with like Tommy Lee oh, so, so Tommy Lee's in jail with me so is it, it's a movie yeah it's a mockumentary wow Carrot Top moves into my house but it's all played very real and it's not played goofy when did this come out it came out in 2003 damn yeah and it's fucking it's cool Vince Vaughn's in it and and Tommy Lee, Britney, and Britney Vin, Spears in two thousand three. Yeah, Britney Spears is in it because Larry Rudolph got was hooked what, me what, up. What was the production company for that? I produced it, I directed, I wrote it, I paid for it, I did it all myself. What, yeah. so and then Twentieth Century Fox picked it up. Wow! But it's it's to me it's the be- it's dark. And fucking, I'm in I'm in solitary confinement, and the and fucking Adam Sandler's voice comes in. He's like weasel, da 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 da, and he, and I start oh, crying, shit. and I got fucking the ghost of Sam Kennison appears. It's fucking gnarly, dude. Like it's a gnarly, gnarly film. Yeah, like, and then I'm always like uh, trying to figure out something epic to watch while I'm on this bus. Yeah, why well, is Ben Stiller's in it? But it's all played <laughs> real. So when you watch it, you're like, "Fuck, did he die?" Like, the, uh, yeah, man, yeah. that's so. And I did it. So incredible to me. Yeah. Um, and presumably you just had like uh, you know, the, all these people were fans of you, or you mm. had relationships with them. They were. Uh, did, did, did it as favors yeah they kind of it's like once I got Sean Penn in it uh-huh. I was able to like you know it say, felt like dominoes it, it was dominoes after that like How'd I got real Sean Penn in I've known him for for years Sean Penn I've known for um, since we first started back in the day he said something to me one night that really that really kind of landed with me so we were at the um, um, we were at the Chateau Marmont and we were I have some uh, great Sean Penn stories <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I, really I've cool. got somebody I can't, I can't tell them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you what got a lot you can't tell. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were at the Chateau Marmont. Chateau Marmont. We were going up to a suite and we were walking with a couple girls or whatever. And Sean Penn turns around and he looks at me and he goes, I don't know what it is about you. He goes, but you, you make me laugh. And I'm like, huh? He goes, your shit's universal, dude. You're fucking, just so you know, I think you're hilarious. Yeah. And I was like, you know what I mean? And this is Sean Penn. Yeah. And then we continue walking. Da, da, da. So I remembered that. So I called him on it. So when I pitched him the idea, I said, yo, I'm doing Polly Shore is Dead. Da, 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 da. I told him the premise. And he's like, I'll do it. No problem. So I flew with my friend Kirk Fox. You know Kirk, the comedian? Sure. Yeah. So he's in the scene with Sean Penn. And we flew up to San Francisco. And we just shot it. And then I fucking got that tape. And it was just like, if as an independent filmmaker... You're like, fuck, I got Sean Penn. And then I actually did a documentary called Once I Got Sean Penn about the making of Pauly Shore's Dead. Wow. Which is, you know, and then Mini-Me's in it, fucking Vern's in it. Yeah. Like, he plays my neighbor. I almost run him over. It's like, it's like nonstop. Cato Kalin's in it. He's got a comb over and shit, you know, because he was famous for his hair. Sure. But yeah, Pauly Shore's Dead is like, that was... That to me was the um, the the the, the t- there was the beginning part of the second part of my career. Okay. So because once stuff slowed down, then I started producing my own stuff, and, right. and I've done so many things by myself. With all of those yeah, people yeah. in it. Yeah. Like uh, 
But like, what was the budget that you made it for? I think it's like eight hundred thousand. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so that's not not. Yeah, minor. I spent. Yeah, I spent some money. You know. And then, uh, you know, like, did did you like triple it? To like, no, we uh, kind of broke even, maybe a little bit more. Well, okay. But it was, but it was, it was, you know, it was cool. You know, it was cool. I didn't. I mean. Uh, I didn't want to lose did you, money. Did, on did, did you uh, sell it to break even, but um, keep a profit participation for points? Like once it came out. No, I just licensed it. I own it, oh. so I licensed it to Twentieth, and then I licensed it to Showtime, and then I licensed okay, it. Good. So I own it, but at some point, I definitely want Netflix to pick it up because I think if people see this shit, they'll be like fucking. You know what I mean? But the one-man show right now is getting a lot of buzz. So I have a one-man show. It's called Stick With The Dancing. And it's stories of my childhood. Because that's what my mom said to me when she... (laughs) When my mom first... Okay. When my mom first... When I first showcased for my my mom, Mitzi Shore, the owner of the store, um, I I did the jokes that the other comedians wrote for me. You know, when I first started, I was 19 years old, and I ended with pop-locking. I'm a pretty good pop-locker. Okay. And then after I said to my mom, I said, how did I do? And she said, stick with the dancing. You know what I mean? Right, okay. So so that's the name of the the, sh- the, the one-man show. So um, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's, it's stories of my childhood. And all it's, right. it's all, all the stuff about, you know, growing up in Beverly Hills or at the store, the MTV days or... Um, right. You know, uh, you know, uh, my sister dating Filthy McNasty. There's all this like personal shit. Um, back in the day, there was, uh, you know, the Viper Room. Sure. Yeah. Well, years before that, in the '70s, there was a place called Filthy McNasty's. Okay. So the owner was a guy named Filthy McNasty. So he um, dated my sister. So he would pick her up on dates in a hearse with flames on the side. Wow. So I talk about so many inside things. So. Everyone is freaking out over this. So I got Radical Media's producing it, and Beryl Steen's my managers. They're behind it. And um, Sandler's company, you know, saw it. So I'm developing a show based off of my happy childhood. Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Yeah, happy, happy, yeah, happy, happy Madison. Madison. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, is this, so is this what you're taking over the residency of Carrot Top with? <laughs> yeah, Carrot Top was telling us that uh, he had friends saying, dude, Polly did like 30 minutes of his show talking about Taking you me. and how he's going to take over your your show <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh and he was bashing you and and uh and and uh Carrot Top seemed to be under the impression that uh, a lot of people didn't understand you were joking. I'm that, a good actor. <laughs> He's one of my best friends. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, dude, I love Scott. He's yeah. David, I, no, I love Scott. Yeah, he's awesome. No, it, it's you know, it's very my style of comedy. A lot of it is very curb your enthusiasm. Okay. You know, it's scripted, but it's all played in a very real way, so people yeah. don't know. So right. I did a bit with him um, where I say, "Get the fuck out of Vegas. You're tired, dude. People want to see your shit anymore." Right. And it's on the internet. Um, so that was kind of like the beginning part. But it's just like a friendly riff. Right. But he's, uh, I'm on text message with him and Nick Cage all the time. Wow. Yeah, so Nick Nick lives here. Oh, shit. Yeah. How come nobody told us that? 
Yeah. You know well, the he's, part yeah, the... he's not going to, he doesn't do podcasts. Oh, I'm sure that he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but... like really weird on that shit. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah. Like, um, but uh, man, was I a fan of his movie Wild at Heart. Yeah, he's great. I saw that movie in the theater like three times. Yeah, he's a like he's Right a... when it came out in, in 1990. What do you guys yeah. talk about on the text thread? Just joke. You know, joke. He doesn't, he's very private, you know, so I want to respect. You know what I mean? He's like, doesn't want to take pictures. We take pictures and videos all the time together, but he doesn't like to, you know, announce it. He's not on any social media. I bet. Yeah, and he just likes to do, he just does movie to movie. To, I mean, the guy's like four movies. Yeah. He just started a movie today in Toronto. Um, so he just bangs them out. That's his thing. But no, Scott's, Scott's a dear friend of mine, and, and I always shit on him, and he shits on me. And it's, Right. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, I couldn't tell if he was joking when he was relating uh, this this uh, developing story to us. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, he had an appointment to be at, like, at 1 o'clock, and, uh, and and I said, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing Paulie Short next. And she's like, fuck, dude, hopefully they don't catch each other because they won't leave. They'll, they'll be with each other for, like, a half hour <laughs> shooting the shit. <laughs> So I yeah uh, no we he sent he he actually sent me a picture of you guys about two hours ago yeah yeah cool. he's, yeah no he's a he's a dear friend of mine you know yeah man that's great so you, you moved to Vegas like two years ago did you have any previous like ties to Vegas like a, a, outside of just the usual being a comedian well m one of my best friends Bobby Luddington lives here so he used to work with me he does furniture for all the clubs. Okay. So he's like an upholstery guy, uh -huh. and he's like a family. My dad's widow, Suzanne, lives here. My dad passed in Vegas. So, you know, he lived here. And then um, I have my friend Jason Strauss. I don't know if you know Jason. He runs like Lava and Marquee and all those clubs. Okay, yeah. So him, him, he lives here. So as far as uh, uh, ties, just, you know, I don't know. I, I have friends, but, you know, I've... I've really grown to really love this town, and I've really grown right. to love the locals in this town. And I help open a, a new club downtown called Wise Guys. Oh, so like that, Wise Guys uh, Keith in, in uh, Salt yeah. Lake City. Yeah, is, so is he, do you do that with him? Yeah, so I helped organize that. My friend Jason owns Jason and Jonathan. They own the land, and then Keith owns the name. Yeah. So I hooked them up, and uh, Keith signed a. I a, love Keith. Yeah. I love Keith. Yeah, yeah. So they signed a, a five-year um, lease there. So it's a it's a great little club. It's in the Arts District, and a lot of people um, don't know. It's a great know... name for a comedy club too. Wise guys. Yeah. Like, um, for all the stupid names comedy clubs have. Mm -hmm. Like uh, yeah. comedy clubs typically for like the the idea of uh, being stand-up comedy is all about uh, mastery over language, mm -hmm. words, communication. You would think that these people would come up with better names for their clubs. Yeah, so, um, yeah, wise I know. Wise Guys is great. Yeah, Wise Guys is cool. So that's that's here in the Arts District. and um, But Vegas is, Vegas is cool. There's a lot of really cool local places. There's a place called Esther's Kitchen, which is great food. It's all, I, I'm familiar with that, I think. Yeah. Is that, is that it's a, in the a arts vegetarian? District. No, but they oh, have no. everything. They have vegan okay. stuff. And then there's another place called uh, Sparrow and Wolf. That's really great, and there's a lot of great little places off the strip, a lot of great bars. There's, right. um, uh, I don't know, there's, you know, there's 
uh, a great little community. But um, how um does uh Ve- or Nevada, I suppose, like mm. does do they are, are they like Texas with like no state income tax? Is it like uh, yeah? Are you part of like the the mass exodus out of California because the cost of living and the taxes just everybody just got over that at a certain point. Everybody left. I know Mark Wahlberg just moved here too. He did. Yeah, so I he saw lives a here. Yeah, so he lives here as well. So. I think people are living all over. I think after COVID, the whole world kind of blew right. up. Now, like as far as like thinking about moving somewhere, like uh, I would have trouble picking Vegas just because of the water situation. I feel like there's going to be water wars and that mm. Vegas, like Lake Mead, mm. is just drying up. Like, mm. like there's going to be like uh, a water crisis and Vegas seems like such a precarious place for they're not to be water i don't know i think it's america i think that (laughs) i think they'll always have water it's fine you know i i I think for me it's one of those things that um i don't like to stay anywhere for too long right so i don't stay here for too long i'll bop around yeah you know so but the house that i have right now it's it's on an acre and it's just spread out and i have a beautiful dog and there's a pool and it's very quiet dog uh he's lab chow husky wow his name's buster Wow, that's yeah, a great Yeah, he's really, mix. really a beautiful dog. And um, I don't know, being 54 and kind of like wanting peace, you know, right. and living next to Nick, you know, there's like, you know, I, I have a friend now here and there's uh, someone that, um, you know, we, we respect each other. I and, bet. And there's, a, uh, I've known him for 30 years. They're just growing up. His, 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 uh, his family dynamic is very similar to mine. Um, and there's a relatability that I have with him, and um, yeah, he's nice part to... of like the whole Coppola situation. Yeah, huh? and he doesn't. Yeah, he he changed his name right. because when he was first acting back in Valley Girls and all that stuff, uh, he um, he got a lot of shit from Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon and all these guys going, "Oh, you're just here because you're a Coppola." You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna change my name," and it worked. Yeah. And now he's one of the you know top five actors in the world. You know, yeah, it's and, amazing. and people people love them. So, you know, um, I don't know. I think as long as I bop around and I don't like to stay anywhere for too long, I think I'll be all right. You know, yeah. I've always been that guy that just doesn't like to stay sure. too steady. Yeah. Your one man show mm. does it? I mean, you said that you talk a lot about your childhood, mm. but does it sort of like bring the audience into like where you are now and like what you yes the, the last 25 years I, I kind of do a recap at the end like what I've been doing the last 25 30 years right which has been like touring America and giving back to my audience you know right. and also doing these great independent projects and doing these things and so right. it's not like you know um, it, I, I said this line, and I think it was uh, I, I, I said it, and I think it was uh, Polly Shore Stands Alone, which was a documentary I did on Showtime, where I say, hey, you know, just because they stop giving me movies doesn't mean I stop being me. Right. You know, and it's just like because I'm not starring in movies, because people see movie after movie. Why aren't you doing right. movies? It's like, dude, just because they took the cameras away doesn't mean I stop being who I am. Right. So I continue doing what I do. I was fortunate. I grew up at the comedy store, and I saw what not to do, and I saved my money, you know. Yeah. So I was very fortunate with that. Um, that when I made my money, I saved it. So if there's any actors out there or people in the business, save your money and don't be the bling bling guy, right. because you know that's gonna, you know what I mean? Sure. And, you know, and, and don't marry a girl that you think might fucking, you know, gouge you and shit. 
and that's another thing it's like not being in that situation you know that was another thing i was kind of you know what i mean you get leery because when you're famous you know it's pretty obvious why these girls are with you right period and they can say oh i love them i love bitch you know what i mean stop you know what i mean yes and no right it's very sensitive and you know being famous and known is a really awesome thing and there's also some really fucked up things about it too you want to focus on the positive stuff you make people happy and you know you can make a nice living and we love to do this we don't have to fucking work a normal job right you know and we're very fortunate on that but then you got some other shit over here so life is (laughs) yeah (laughs) life is like that you Mm -hmm. can't have everything you know what i mean so it's it's sensitive it's very sensitive is the one man show up and he said it's doing it's well happening, so it's up yeah. and running so, yeah, so where can people happening. see it so we'll be at Wise Guys in a couple weeks I've been running it there all the time which is uh, Wise Guys downtown. is already open in Vegas yeah downtown downtown uh, we, we just did the space here in Vegas the other night I'll be back there and then I'll be at the comedy store on November 30th comedy store in LA yeah in the main room I'll be okay. doing you should come dude with your chick you'll fucking trip uh, on what it's day right, it's right after Thanksgiving it's oh. like it's November thirtieth. I think I'll be home. Yeah, November thirtieth. Uh, Doctor Dre's coming. Cool man. Dre's coming, and I'm inviting some some of my celebrity friends and cool. and yeah. So it's it's cool. It's cool. So I'm doing that November thirtieth. I'll be at Flappers in Burbank, in Burbank. practicing yeah. it there. I like to practice there on the twenty seventh, and then the New York Comedy Film Festival. I'll be premiering there on uh, November eighth and 9th. Uh-huh. And it's it's a cool show, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of good response. It's different. It's a monologue, bro. Right. It's a monologue. It's not like fucking stand up at all. So it's it's and it gets pretty heavy. Is is there uh, are there like visual assets? Yes, yes. It, it it it's exactly like Mike Tyson's okay, undisputed yeah. truth. Great. So if Same you see if you see Mike Tyson's undisputed truth, he speaks and there's videos. Right. I travel with a, a Q Lab operator. So okay. if you don't know what QLab is, it's a program that basically, you know, when I go da 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 da, he goes da 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 da, you know, with the f- right. with the photos and videos. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's pretty dope. Um, and then uh, yeah, so it's got videos. So it's like a lot of the shit that I talk about, people don't believe it. But then that, when you show it, you're like, fuck, he's not joking. This is that's some real. Precisely sh- how it, I do my show. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so yeah. you got some. Yeah. Okay. So. I tell stories that are utterly implausible and frankly unbelievable, and then after each bit, I play the footage of the story. Well, I, I think so. with you, they know that it's all true because they've seen you be fucking insane. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. You're known I, for like. I did bump I mean, it up a notch for this tour. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have plans to continue to bump it up another when, notch. Yeah, when, when you did my podcast, I don't know, it was probably a couple of years ago. You said you were doing some special. Remember, and then you were, yeah. you got taped to the side of the billboard. Right. What what, what was that? That was uh, my last special, and the, the the tour I'm on now would be my next special. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this tour is winding down, and yours is just wrapping up. You got the one man show. Yeah, the one man show. It's called Stick with the Dancing. Um, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think that people were interested in it. Of course. Because it's a lot of fucking work. Right. And it's tiring, and it's very emotional for me. Okay. You know, because you're going back in time, you're you're picking up you're picking up the scabs. You're like fuck. Sure. So after the shows, sometimes I can't sleep because you don't want to talk about your past. You want to move on. Right. You know what I mean. And um, so it's 
it's cool and we'll see what happens what happens to it you know as far as where it goes and when it comes out good is there anything else that, that your your instagram uh, yeah there? i have my instagram but i also want you to mention my band Polly Shore and the Crusties. Polly Shore and the Crusties. Yes. There it is. <laughs> so I have a band so with me. Who's telling us this? We, we, we were. Someone was just telling me that Polly Shore is doing music. He's got his band. Yeah, no. it's, it's me and these senior citizens. It's basically me and these old guys, that, but they're okay, really one good. of those old guys was on your podcast with. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bill DeGilio. I met him at Starbucks. Nice. I was at Starbucks in Silver like probably about five years ago, and I see this guy. He's like four foot tall. He looks like Larry David. He's fucking hilarious. So I grab him and I put him on my podcast. And come to find out, he plays guitar in a church. So he's like a he teaches guitar. So he's like a great guitar player. So I'm like fuck. I started a band with him, and and he and he's cool. So we're doing an album uh, this week. We're gonna do a polish on the crusties, and we record songs in my garage. And it's and it's fun. And, and did uh, he move out to Vegas as well? No, he lives in he lives in L.A. I fly him out on Southwest. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I don't know. It was the voice of Pinocchio that came out recently? Wow. Yes. What, what did that come out on? That was on with Lionsgate. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, and I have a new uh, movie with them called um, A Big Trip, which is uh, another voiceover. I do a lot of voiceover stuff with them. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, everything's cool. So, you know? Polly Shore and the Crusties. Polly Shore and the Crusties. How do people uh, consume this? So, if you go to just my YouTube page or you follow my Instagram, you can see clips. And okay. then also, I definitely want to promote the the thing that it's actually releasing this week is my new podcast there you called go. Jam in the Van Podcast, hosted by Polly Shore. So Jam I just in the van. I just interview music musicians. So I got okay. the girl from uh, Panic of the Discos on, the guy from uh, Eagles of Death Metal. How about Vince Neil? He lives in Vegas, doesn't he? Yeah, but Jam in the Van is in L.A. Oh, Jam in the Van's in L.A. Yeah. So How often are you in L.A.? All the time. I go back and forth. I stay in Vegas, and when people get sick of me, I go to L.A. Yeah. And then when people get sick of me in L.A., I go back to Vegas. You know how people get sick of you sometimes? Like, you guys are getting sick of me? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, dude. You're the best, dude. So, um, okay. Well, have we covered the, the bases? With I had the, piss surgery. Piss surgery? Yeah. We'll what? talk about that the next time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know. Is that a, a bladder situation? Yeah, it was a bladder situation. All right. It was called Resume. You had to give yourself your own catheter? I did. Yeah. You did it? It's actually not that out. gnarly. It's not that gnarly at all. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, my my, uh, my naked tennis champion buddy was uh, was showing me. He did resume? He didn't do resume, but uh, he was showing me like uh, how uh, the, the catheter comes in a pack that's pre-lubricated. So, like, it's just slimy and it just goes right in and, and yeah. you, put it, you put it all the way in until... Uh, well, basically what happened was is I would go to sleep at night, but then I would go pee, and then all, not all the pee would come out of my bladder. That so happens I, uh, to me sometimes. Not, yeah. not, it's kind of rare. Yeah, so it just, uh, um, you know, it's, I would pee sometimes four or five times a night. Yeah, and I it do. Got, I, yeah, it got really bad, so I went to my gay urologist, Henry Kim, in... Uh, in uh, at Cedars, he's like, "Let me see your dick." I'm like, "Yo, bro, that's not cool." Yeah. So you know, and then he's like, "You, you got two. There's two types of surgery. You can get the resume or the terp. The resume is less invasive." So I woke and that up. Worked. Yeah, I woke up, and then I had a catheter in my penis, and then I had a piss bag. 
here and then and then you pee in the bag for about a week and then they take it out and then you wait three weeks for it to work and then you know they steamed your prostate and uh and and that's it and now i'm okay and how many times you get up to pee in a night now um like once maybe twice but there's only one problem i'm impotent now (laughs) i know that's not true so (laughs) Polly sure now you you wouldn't you wouldn't be able that's an oxymoron (laughs) i was gonna do a bit about it (laughs) he's supposed to respond like really like yeah (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't be in a good mood if you were Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, man, it's, it's been a pleasure, dude. I'm really glad we got to do this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And congratulations on all your stuff. I, Thank you. you. Know, yeah, And, man. Uh, you know, I hear about you all the time running around doing your thing. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's yeah. cool, man. I appreciate that a lot. You know, like uh, in comedy, we, we basically chase each other around. We yeah. all hear the stories of uh, everybody else. And, um, you know, Scott and I are really proud that, yeah. that we've developed a good reputation for what we do. Yeah. You know? and, and as far as the comedy store, you know, I am the comedy store. The comedy store is me. It's my mom. It's my family's place. And, and, and my brothers are doing a great job. And, uh, you know, it's as long as the stages stay open and there's the, you know, the development thing. And it, it'll, it, I think the comedy store will be there longer than all of us. I, I believe that. You know to what be I mean? True. I think when we all die, it's still going to be there going. And I think mm-hmm. testament to my mom and my family that it, it, it's doing well and, and, the, and supporting comics. Yeah, like uh, it's the most iconic comedy club in the world, and, and yeah. yeah, you should be really proud of that. Yep. Cool. All right, brother. All right, hey man, great to see Later, you. Dudes. Later, Peace dudes. Later, dudes. And fuck uh, Carrot Top. <laughs> There you have it, Polly Shore, ladies and gentlemen. Was that not the perfect mix of silly and goofy and funny, and as well as serious and entertaining and revealing? I was impressed. I was impressed by Polly Shore, and uh, you know, I, I just think it's great. I think it's great that uh, all of these comedians have been coming on the podcast and having such a great experience with yours truly, Steve-O. Yeah, dude, and. I can't say it enough that the way that you guys are having a great experience and I'm hearing about it on tour. You're coming up to me after my shows and saying, man, I'm street team. I love your podcast. I'm hearing it everywhere I go. People raving about how much they love the podcast and uh, it just means the world to me. So um, we're going to keep doing it, man. We're going to keep doing it. It's going to just maybe keep getting better and better. So thanks for sticking around to the end. I love you so much and have a wonderful day. Yeah, dude.